feel like this needs something like. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, it just is dancing. Look at us. Look at us harmonizing. Like the goddamn Eagles. You, my story. Will you share your dollar with me? Ross, you'll share all your dollars. With I'll me. share all your stories, all my stories with you. You've uh, you've shared enough dollars with me, that's yeah, for sure, you're man. S- you're so busy. Uh, it's been fun. Been, I want people to know how honored they should feel that we're doing this for them uh, well, with your presence. Well, stop it! Don't say things like that. That's not. I am. I am. I am. You're, you're big time. Lucky to be very busy. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm really lucky, man. Privileged guy for sure. And we're going to talk about some uh, some amazing stuff today. I have a I have a story for of a lady that you I don't think have ever heard the name of because I've dropped this name around you a couple times and never once have you been like. Is this oh, the best yeah. story you've ever? This is. I'm going to tell you the best story you've ever heard before this thing is over. People expect that on the best podcast in Iowa. And it is. Sure. Uh, you want to drop the name now as a hint? Well, a older. Older listeners will know, and really, really astute younger listeners. And by younger, I would bet nobody under the age of forty knows the name Hedy Lamar. I I now, do I do know that name. Most people will remember Hedley Lamar, okay. the character in Blazing Saddles. Okay. This was Hedy Lamar. Now, born uh, under a totally different name. We'll get to that whole. Story in fact, later, I think I, I think I know the gist. Of the story. People that know the name right now are like, oh, yeah, I remember that name. Yeah. And I remember there's some fascinating stuff. And they probably remember that real late in life, long after she died, they learned something really fascinating about this lady. Am- amazing lady. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to yeah. that. Um, yeah, I'm always impressed. So you, you're a busy guy. I don't know how you keep it all straight. And the reality is you probably don't because I was going to tell how bad your memory is because it's bad. It's well, your memory sucks. Why? What do you mean? I mean, it sucks. That's what well, I mean. What you, I was, what, pretty, I was pretty clear in what give, I just said. Your memory sucks. Give me an example of I'll, what you're I'll, talking I'll about. I'll give you a couple of examples, Ross, since you, you so kindly asked. <laughs> couple great, that, great. Cu- couple that jumped to mind. I don't want to do this on the best podcast in Iowa. One, of, wanna, one, uh, of, my, one of my favorites <laughs> One of my favorites was last year. So we hadn't, oh, re- we hadn't recorded. It was the night of the fantasy football draft. So I say to you, I say, hey, Ross, do you want to be in this fantasy football league? You say, yeah, it's a father-son league. Eli would love that. Eli would love it. And he was he he, he was jealous the year before when he found out about it that he wasn't in it. He Eli was, would be so pumped about this. He was we can't super wait. excited He's about He's excited it. about the draft. Yep. He prepared for it. So as any as any fantasy commissioner does, I send out the, the day of the draft. And that, if Ross had forgotten that, then I would say, you know what? He's a busy guy. He just forgot the, the draft night. It's it's not the end of the world. The problem was like like at like two o'clock. I was here at the office, and you said, "Ross, don't forget tonight at six thirty. Literally four and a half hours yeah, you, from this you, reminder. Yeah, you need to be back. Up I at reminded my house. you the day like, of. Yep, yep, the the day of that the draft was coming up in like three or four hours. You're right. And guess what happened? It, it, we're about five minutes from starting. I text you and I say, "Hey, Ross, you on your way?" And I get the oh shit, <laughs> you had forgotten. Apparently, right, apparently, this big deal to your son and you—you know, you had forgotten in three here, or four hours. Here's what that, that's one example, and that's a memory thing. It doesn't—it doesn't even matter. No, it doesn't even matter what it happens. Did, it does because you don't. And I tried to explain this to you. I went home that night, got home at at like five thirty from the radio show, and I got into an absolute barn burner with my wife. First time ever. First time her and I have ever been in any sort of argument at yep. all. Yep. Uh the uh. And that it threw everything. It, it put my mind in an absolute blender. It became a thing of like I wanted to get the kids out of the house because we were kind of yelling at each other, and I don't. I hate to do that. You should have up to the draft. So I just said, "Hey, listen, I'm going to get the kids out of here. You have a night to yourself. I'm going to go have dinner with the kids." And I took the kids down to uh, Iowa Tap Room, and we were. And it was. I had not thought about the draft, and since two thirty when you mentioned it to me. And yeah, it got to be like 625. We were ordering dinner. We were just calming down for the night. I just felt like I had escaped some chaos. And then all of a sudden, dun, dun, dun. I get the email from my buddy that says, hey, man, when are you going to be here? Yeah. Uh, I'm not. 
Yeah. And I had to then, and then, so the, so not only did I disappoint you in that moment, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. I had to say to Eli, oh, buddy, guess where we're supposed to be right now? Yeah. Where? The double. fantasy football draft that you were really looking for. Double, forward to. double whammy. was so mad. Luckily, Nate pinch hit it. Yeah, hit pinch hit it. Pinched it. Pinched it. He, he pinched the he pinched hit for the you hit. and yeah. drafted you a decent team. He hit pinched. Example number two. Golly, we're going to do this. Last you have these written down? No. They're easy to remember because I have a good memory. I'm like you. Jerk. It's funny because people sometimes say my I memory were, sucks. So my you, memory's great compared you to yours. When, when I, here I, I pull out all these amazing stories for you. I do this all the time. And I thought you were going to say, man, Ross, your memory for these stories is really incredible. I'm, See, really, maybe, I'm really maybe amazed by how impressive your memory is. You have compartmentalized, apparently. Some things you're good at, some things you're not. So last week, you text... Uh, we're in a group, and you text that group, Mark, this is the guy that we were talking about this morning. Oh, this is an easy one. Now, come on. So, And and it was who? Who was the guy? That, uh, uh, Jeff Passan, the okay. baseball writer. On baseball ESPN. writer. You sent me a picture of him. This is the guy we were talking about this morning. I said, Ross, what are you talking about? Today, when we were talking about baseball, I said, Ross, I was not talking with you about baseball at all today. Right. I, in fact, I barely talked to you today. Right. You know? And then uh, Nate chimes into the group and says, Ross, that was me. So, so you you thought you had a conversation, a full conversation about baseball, about a specific baseball reporter with me. Yeah. And, and it I turned out to and be I another guy there. in the office. You were, you, from where I sit. We're not identical twins, you're Ross, not, Nate and I. You're not, but I, I look up to both of you. I admire you both. You're, my, you're both my buddies. You're both mentors. And here he was standing. You and I had had a conversation where you were standing next to the pool table. Nate and I had a conversation not 10 minutes after that where he stood in the same spot. And I'm a very visual guy. In my mind, when I remember something, I usually have like a picture of it in my head, right? And I remembered having this this picture of somebody standing by the pool table talking to me about this baseball conversation. My my bad that I screwed up you and Nate. And here's the weird thing. Yeah. You both were offended by it. Yeah. You both were like, you confused me with him? Yeah, but it wasn't like, like well, it wasn't like the conversation both, was six months prior. You're Ross. Both it was ad- that day. You're both admirable people. Why would you both be it so was, upset? It was that day. So it seemed a are little you, uh, Are you expecting somebody? Okay, good. They're good. going they're going to Mexican food, it looks like. Oh, they are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They park right outside my office window and go get a burrito. Um, but no, so you're, you're the guy and I know this now and it's okay. I, I tell people all the time, Ross is a great guy. You got but, some, you got some flaws, but this is one of the flaws. So now normally I would say like, if you said, Hey, tonight let's go grab drinks as an example, I'd be like, great. However, before I leave the house, you're getting a text from Mark saying, Hey bud, you still want to do those Mark, drinks? I'll be honest. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. That's for everybody in my life. I usually like that's not a bad idea. I am, and I, it's a it's an excuse to say I'm busy because everybody's busy. Uh, the the person that gets let down the most by my being busy is my wife. Mm-hmm. She gets the she gets the lowest rung of the ladder when it comes to my attention yeah. because I am going in so many different directions, and I'm and does she ever say things similar to what my wife <laughs> says? Where I just want to be on the list. That's something my wife said. That's a really good line. Now, and I, and I, now I'm not going to say yeah. I'm the worst person ever because I spend plenty of attention. But she does say that from time to time. I just want to be on That's the That's a list. really good line. And I know Aaron's never said that, but, man, that I feel that line because that, yeah. Yeah. that applies to my life right now, certainly. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about your wife? Oh, my like, gosh. No, oh, anything, any other stories of my horrible memory or uh, lack of attention to detail? I or, mean, I'm not saying geez, oh, anything Pete, negative gosh. about you. All I'm saying is your memory is ass. That's, I that's did it. Get, I didn't tell you this. I got the nicest, most, I mean, I mean, the most polite and well-deserved, not even butt-chewing. I can't even call it that because it wasn't a butt-chewing. But yesterday, KK did this thing with Brecky in the room where she said, hey, can we just pretend Ross isn't in the room for a minute? <laughs> and I said, yeah, you guys say anything about me that you want. And she went on about a four-minute, very accurate, very, very accurate. Yeah. It was, you know, looking in the mirror type of thing of yeah. what all is. She's like, I love Ross, and he's so nice. I can't be mad at him. But, man, if he were any other person, I would have pulled him in my office and screamed and yelled at him because... And it all boils down to basically my, I'm going a million directions, man. And I I see that and I feel it and I apologize for it to everybody, but I'm, this is a, I'm still getting stuff done. This is a business where, uh, you, 
at times need to slow down a second and well, uh, we make, all make sure that it's done the right way. There, yeah, I, I just need to probably remove some stuff from my life, and that would help me a lot to yeah. go to that. Or slow down, Take you know, maybe taking a vacation. That's yeah. what my wife thinks needs to happen. What's, I think what's number one on your list that you're going to remove from your life? Let's just figure it out right now. What is, what's gone? Is it me? Boy, boy. Is it me? Probably. Is you. it this? Probably. This podcast again? Well, no. I can't. <laughs> Three episodes and done. <laughs> right. That's it. Sorry. Right. Thanks for joining us again. I don't uh, even know, Mark. I really don't. I don't, I don't even know. The, the thing that hurts the most right now is being tied to the clock at the radio station. Mm-hmm. Like every day mm-hmm. I have to be at that one place at this one time and be there for an extended period of time and all that. It's an awesome thing. I don't, I will never take the radio station for granted. I love it. I love what I do there and it's, I'm lucky to be able to do it, but um, it's, it, it, it's hard and it's right in the heart of the day, man. So yeah, just like today, you know, get the ball rolling all morning, get things going. Uh, luckily enough, had some, had about an hour here that we could sit down and kind of chat before uh, when we get done here, man, I will race out the door and, and be running again. My bold prediction, uh, we'll say sometime in the next two years, you'll either get fired again. Uh, I can see that. Nothing to do with you. It's just the business you're in. Uh, or you'll be back on uh, a morning show, either with your current partner, different partner. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I could see, I'm just speculating. Move us, move I'm us speculating. That'd make my life a lot easier if I yeah. could do something to be done at 8 a.m. Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I actually need to listen. It's funny that I'm paying uh, good money to uh, advertise on your station down there right now. I've heard through the grapevine that Travis Justice, your buddy, is doing a good job on our, our live reads. Killing it. You know what's ironic, though? I haven't heard a single one. Yeah, he should. <laughs> it's, he, he's killing it. Doing Their a great show's job. on a little too early for Mark. I'm usually waking <laughs> up about 7.30, and I don't turn the radio on immediately. So I feel bad that other people have been telling me that they've liked the ad. So... Is, does he continue to be good? Do you listen to that oh, show? Oh, yeah, he kills it. Fairly yeah, yeah. regularly? Uh, I wouldn't say fairly regularly. When I can, I'm a, I, I am, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, regularly. Most mornings I get up, try to fire that up, but I have so many podcasts I listen to that are news-related. Uh, up first <coughs> from NPR, uh, The Daily from The New York Times, then there's The Lead from Wandry, which is a sports do you listen to that every day? I, they're all about 10, 12, 15 minutes at max. Okay. The daily from New York Times will stretch out to like a half hour sometimes. And if that's the case, I'll save that for later in the day when I'm on a long drive or something. Um, but yeah, those are the, that. My first thing in the morning is usually the up first or, or Axios today has a 15 minute podcast, which are designed just for that, that you can hit play on them. Mm-hmm. And as you're walking around, taking a shower, getting ready in the morning in that 15 minute window, you can get up to date on kind of the news of the day. So I love that. And if for some reason there's something there that doesn't interest me, I'll fire up the boys and Heather and, uh, and listen until I can't anymore. Is that a recap of the day before those, those podcasts that are no, not necessarily a recap. It's just the Axios today. Their tagline is like, here's the one big thing people are going to be talking about today. <laughs> okay. Okay. And so, it's kind of like the best story ever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They every day are going to kind of give you one thing that they think is going to be the main water cooler topic. Um, and then they sprinkle in some other stories that, that fit into the day also. What is your current take on, I'm going to give you a broad topic. Ready? Here we go. Fire away. The world. Broad the world. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm pro world. There just seems to be a lot going on right now. Uh, Do you find that it's, I don't know. Confusing to wrap your mind around. I mean, you're, again, you're so busy, Roscoe, that maybe you're not noticing what's I mean, happening I, in the outside world. Yeah, I'm right paying now. attention. Hey, the man. good news is apparently COVID's gone because we don't talk about oh, that anymore. Yeah. But just lately, the last week, man, we've got what's been going on in your brain. We've got, uh, you know, we're talking about gas prices a lot. We're yeah. talking about what's going on in the Ukraine. We had a tornado come through. We had a uh, quote-unquote school shooting. We've had just a, just a lot, you know? So then the on top school, of that, we're going to throw in a little March Madness, which is a positive story. Yeah, but, right, right. But it's like, it just seems like there's a lot going on. What, right, so I, the, I like hearing your takes. The school shooting and the tornado are the things, things that are closest home to me for a lot of reasons. I went to East High. I love East High. You've helped me out the last several years uh, by being a, a, a Blue Ribbon sponsor of the East High Golf Classic. And we take that money, and for I spent, I just handed off one of the things I gave up in my life in the last couple of weeks. I just handed off the reins of being the financial chair for that uh, that nonprofit to John Walling, Rory Walling's dad, who played mm-hmm. for uh, played for Iowa State, yep. plays for Iowa State. Uh, it, it's, that's money that we have 
I, I don't even know how many checks I've signed, Mark, at East High School over the last couple of years to help out kids. And you hear, you get these very personal stories about what's happening inside the halls of that school, and you see the people that are in there fighting and fighting and fighting to help these kids and make the community a better place. And, dude, it is it is like pushing back waves in the ocean, man. You know you're losing the fight, and you keep in there and you fight it. It takes really special people to do that. And I don't say those things lightly. Like, the, the, the things that happen around East High, they are amazing. And when you see them and you feel them, like, it's, it's awesome. It's one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of is seeing the impact that a group of people can have on an individual or an individual can have on a group of people, too. And you're, you're constantly fighting not only to help these kids, but then the reputation that East High seems to, seems to get so easily because of the community it's in. And, the, and this is an example of that. These kids that came and, and shot at these students... They weren't East High kids. They just decided to come to East High because that was where one of the kids that they wanted, the, the kid they wanted to shoot, they knew that's where he was. Um, that they would, if they had found him downtown, this would have been another Court Avenue shooting, and it would have been teenagers involved. Yeah. But it, it, what we're also dealing with here, and what I'm guilty of right now, Mark, is this thing where when something happens close to your life, you think it's perceived a different way than it is. Um. I had some friends that when we were young, and I mean just just teenagers, they got into some big trouble. And it was on the news, and their names were on the news. They didn't shoot anybody or anything like that, but they did some really dumb stuff, and their names were on the news. Ten years later, Mark, I had forgot about that. Okay, Now I'm on the radio, and my one of my friends comes up to me, and he says, Ross, you have got to help me and all these other guys get on the radio to clear our name." Because everybody still thinks that we're these horrible people that did this thing when we were teenagers, and we're not. And I thought to myself, man, I don't think that. Nobody I know thinks that about you guys anymore. They've all moved on, and they all just you know for, forget those bad things that happened. And then bad things started happening in my life. And I started thinking, oh, my God, everybody's always going to think about me as this thing. And you realize nobody does. No, nobody cares. Like nobody, nobody sticks around to care long enough for a long period of sure. time. You know what yeah. I mean? And so that's what's guilt. What I'm guilty of right now is I, I love East High. I'm hurting because of East High, and I think that the rest of the world is always going to think horrible things about East High because of the shooting. The truth is, most people are smart enough to put two and two together and know that this didn't have a lot to do with the school. Um, and even if they aren't smart enough to do that, they aren't going to remember this a week from tomorrow. It's going to be out of their mind. Yeah. Right. So, um, and all that ends up doing is it gets the people that are fighting for things within the community. It gets them tangled up for a while in trying to solve this mess that might not even be as, I mean, again, a kid's dead. So this is really messy. I know one of the girls is awake and right as we're doing this, I think there's still one that's in critical condition, but, um, it's awful, man, and you, you, that perception of the east side is something that I've always, I love it, and I think it's amazing, and I think there's a awesome stuff that come from being a part of a community like that, but it takes a lot of people to try to fight to, to change that perception yeah. that's out there, so what anyway, that's I, what, the thing. One of my takeaways, and I realize the people that typically do these acts are not great people, and that's, that's helpful, but... It also gives you some pause when you start to hear about more of these things in your community. So it was that shooting, which involved apparently six kids. Teenagers, yeah. One of them all, all with guns. One of them 14. Because they had the confiscated six guns. Okay, so where in the hell? Apparently it's really easy to get a gun. That's a problem, right? I'm all for gun ownership, not for teenagers. I'm not. And obviously that was legal that they had those. Um, and then th a day later, or maybe same day, um, guy gets stabbed to death at um, Sonic over in Johnston. Now probably an altercation between two people. Yep. But, man, when you have family and you've got your wife driving around and stuff, it just yeah. sometimes you get this feeling that it's uh, you're you're kind of lucky if you can go through your whole life without being the victim of a you know a violent crime or wrong place, wrong time, or you know any of that stuff. So 
it's just, I don't know that the world's changing when you have two stories like that back to back in your community and you're not used to those. It's like, man, the whole world's crumbling. No, I don't know that the world's changed much. Mark, it's easy to overreact that stuff and hear back to back stories. It's, It's real easy on a national level where this was presented as a school shooting. Mm hmm. Um, it will. It becomes part of this giant narrative of school shootings. Well, yeah. we and again, discretion. We know that that even Biden commented right, on it. Right, and they people will use it for whatever political gains they want to make, and that's that's always been gross that people use use things like this. And uh, politics is so gross. <laughs> so oh, nasty. you think? What's worse, politics or a tornado? So do you? You know my tornado story. I shared yeah. the pictures yeah. with you. Your house uh, was we shared, destroyed. Yeah, we shared it on the first uh, iteration so of this, this podcast. So this, this hits home a little bit closer Dude. for you. Oh, man. People dead down in Winterset. My buddy Tony Wink, who uh, was a big part of the KXNO family for a long time, he did Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, Okay, runs a dirt a motocross track down in southern Iowa. His place was absolutely destroyed. His wife and his kids were a lot like my story, but even worse. They were in the house under the stairs, and the home collapsed on them. They lived and were able to get out of there. But, like, you see this tangled mess of wood and steel and realize that a family was yeah. in the middle of that at one point. It, it, it's Do you recall, um, I realize this was from your childhood, but did you ever go back and look at the strength of the tornado that you, we got tried your to do home? This. We actually did go to look this up uh, a couple years ago, Mark. It was not impressive at all. It like, was okay, a one or a two. Yeah, something like that. I think, it, it, yeah, it, not even... Because there's even, it's E and then F, right? I think this is... If EF, I, one through five. So... Or maybe, the, actually, the I think Fs, there's a zero. The Fs are the more powerful. The if I And again, I'm just kind I, of... I, don't, I, I just think it's called EF for whatever reason. Oh, okay. It's the, it's the Fujita scale is All right. what it is. But then, but they just call, I don't know what the E is, but... For I think some reason, when I looked this up, I was... Again, I'm going off of memory from many years ago. Yeah. It was a weak tornado, but I thought it was like an E two or an E one. Probably, maybe an probably an EF two. Okay, or, but the so the four May third of nineteen eighty three. Okay, the May the maybe maybe May fifth of the 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 one that just went through was a four. Yeah. That's what they declared it. But a four is roughly. I looked this up, but I'm going off of memory now. One hundred sixty six to two hundred miles per hour winds. Okay, so think about the derecho. Remember how windy that felt? 100. That day? When the that, didn't even, that didn't even reach 100 around here. That was in the 80s, 90, maybe. Okay? These homes were completely destroyed that it hit. So uh, the one that was worse uh, was Parkersburg. Yeah. Parkersburg was an EF5. Okay? I was looking uh, at worst tornadoes on record. There's been a couple where the winds reached over 300 Unbelievable. miles per hour. Do you remember the Parkersburg one? There, there was a video taken of a house that got destroyed. It was like a camera showing a house. It must have been like across the street or something like that. It's just if a if a four or a five comes over your house, your house is getting scraped away. Period. That's why basements help. If you're in the basement, you got a chance. But like, there's no like, oh, I took the roof off. It just it just removes your whole house. It, 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 it is something that I am uh, I I couldn't imagine owning a home without a basement. Now I've helped a couple of families buy slab homes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm helping a, a, a client get into one right now, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have to kind of bite my tongue. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I want to, and I normally do. I normally say to them, like, "Hey, this is just my personal thing, but I need to say this to you. Yeah. I lived through a tornado, and the basement is what saved our lives." And I, I just, I need to say that if you're okay with not having a basement. Now, a lot of people, they don't like basements. They see them as just potential problems. They see them as scary. Water, so ways scary. for water and bugs to get into your home yeah. and, you know, radon and all yeah. sorts of other stuff that can get in because yes. you're digging into the ground. Yeah. And I, if that's your preference, I completely yeah. understand. I'll help you out with that. Yeah. But I, I don't think I've shown a person a slab home without saying to them at one point, hey, by the way, uh, May of 1983... I was four. Yeah, I remember it well. <laughs> I remember it well. Here's my real estate tip to people, especially because a lot of people that listen to this will probably build a home. So my home has something that's common now in a lot of new homes. But when you come up to my front door, you're obviously you're on a um, stone, right? Concrete. Ours is decorative, but it's still concrete has been poured there for the for, for the front steps. When you go down in our basement. You go into the storage room, and then there's a room there that puts you underneath 
that section. Okay. So then we got foundation walls around us. It's got a door. Then above us, we're below that stoop, mm-hmm. that front stoop. So essentially what that is, is you're now in a concrete room. Okay. Tornadoes are powerful, but typically they're not going to pull you out of your basement when you're in a concrete room. You know, they, they scrape what's on the land, so to speak. And that's why basements are safe. Typically, not always, but, but typically. Yep. So if you are building a house, ask for a room like that to be put in. I'll tell you, if it's I'm, not going to be that much more money to do it, and it's pretty safe. And you I'm feel good a when house, a tornado comes by. I'm also putting in some sort of secret room. Yeah. Uh, that'd be fun. That'd be fun for me. Yeah. You know, you, you've got uh, an, an interesting house, Mark. I, I love <laughs> shh, I love shh. yours. Don't, don't tell our don't, secret. Don't say, not say anything about don't it. Don't good people know where it is. Where it is. Um, see, you and I are both child, they're children of the same era, so not a secret room. But when I talk about a TV show and like something cool that was secret, what what show do you think? Webster. Of? There you go. Yeah, I knew where you were going. Yeah. <laughs> so he had he could get into the grandfather clock, and it was a it's called a dumbwaiter, right? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of like a an elevator that you pull yourself up. There's a pulley system, right? The radio station when we moved into that building had a dumbwaiter in it. Okay. Yeah, for to because that was it used to be an insurance building. Okay. And that was how they moved documents from floor to floor. That's cool. Isn't that really cool? That's cool. It's fun when you look at homes, by the way, and you see the old relics of the past. And the common one that we see are coal chutes. Yeah. You know, it's like where the coal used to yeah. be delivered into the house. With the houses I'm in a lot of times. Yeah, I see yeah. A lot you're, of, you're an I expert. see a lot of coal chutes. You're an expert on that stuff. It's... uh. It's just a reminder of how things, you know, how far things have come, except when you're Ross and you're still showing those homes. I don't think many of them are actually still getting cold deliveries, though, direct to their house, Ross. We joke a lot about uh, you have wonderful clientele, Ross, but you have a certain type and a certain type of home that you're typically listing and selling. Uh, that, but boy, I, I'm, I'm hitting the range, man. You know, I've got, uh, I've got one that's going to be coming up later this week in Ankeny that's for $475. Uh, i have sold a couple that are real close to that half million dollar range. And I've got a couple that have sold for, you know, 110 um, and that. I've sold a couple of really tiny houses and helped people. And even at that, man, we're still saving people money and that's really cool. Um, so, yeah, I there is no there is no target audience for me right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm come all, help all. Ross will, Ross is happy to do you. Yeah. yeah. Do your real estate. All right. It's uh, because you're so busy. And because I'm leaving for Kansas City today. Oh, are you? What are you doing down there? There's a there's a basketball tournament down there. Who's playing T- tomorrow? Uh, some conference. I didn't I know, know you were going down there for that. Nice yeah. man, taking the fam or uh, no? The- well, that was an option, but uh, stupid Iowa State got themselves a seven seed. Yeah. No six seed. Oh, this is They're six. Okay. But that put them in the late game, so they don't start till at least eight. 30 yep. tomorrow night, and when you got a couple littles, including one that does not like sports at all, eh, don't really want to mess with that. So I'm taking Seton, taking my table. Oh, right. nice. Okay. You guys have fun. To, to you guys going to stay down there tonight? Yep. Sit down there tonight, sit down there tomorrow night, and Seton says, what if they win? I'm like, well, we'll figure that part out. Stick around for Friday night. Yep. But uh, no, it's supposed to snow a lot tomorrow. Have you been following? I don't, dude. No, this is one thing I do not do. I don't follow the forecast at all. Okay, so our our friend Ed Wilson has informed me via the news that apparently it's supposed to snow tomorrow, starting fairly early and going kind of maybe throughout the day. Eh, I like to avoid that when I'm traveling. So we're going to get out of here today and try to beat any snow because we're smart. That's what happens when you get old. Sure. Yeah. Look, do you think something's wrong with you? Look at my thumb. See my thumb? How it's twitching like that? Yeah. You're not doing that int- intentionally? Uh-uh. Yeah, then something's wrong. Yeah, yeah. you've got some uh, you got some nerves or something happening there. Yeah, it's like you ever get like an eye twitch yeah. out of nowhere yeah. or just things start twitching? Like yeah. the last couple of days, I've had a thumb twitch. Yeah. It's like, okay, is it caffeine? Is, like it la- a- is it lack of caffeine? Like my hands aren't shaking. No, no, I've had a handshake before. Where it's I can it's get, just it's like, a yeah, thumb just my- kind of sporadically starts like saying hello. <laughs> it's it's very weird. People are going to be googling what's wrong with Charter. What's he got? It's just, no, it don't, just don't, don't Google what's wrong with Charter. Yeah, it just it just feels like a muscle twitch. That's all it is. Okay, Hedy Lamar. You want me to tell you about Hedy Lamar? I I do think. Can what I, do you know? Okay, so can I kind of can I kind of guess the general? Theme? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 
I could be way off, but I think the story has something to do with like war and codes. You are very you, you're absolutely on the right track. You're okay. thinking of the right person here. Okay. If you yeah. If you said her story has something to do with war and codes, absolutely it okay. does. Now, it's a lot more fascinating than just her being like a spy mm-hmm. or something like that. Her her life story is I mean, she was an actress, so there are several movies that she is in. That's what people know her from. That's yeah, people that know that name know her in fact might even know her as one of the most beautiful women in the world. She was kind of pitched as that she at one point in time. She was not ugly. In fact, she looks like, uh, a vast majority of audience won't know this name, she looks like Vivian Lee, who I, was famous see, for Gone at the Wind. It's funny, because I always thought she kind of looked like Audrey Hepburn a little bit. Yeah, maybe. She's, I, I, and she is, the point being, she is a strikingly gorgeous For, for that era, especially, 10. She's a ten. Oh, no in, doubt. In that era. and and over and over and again in this in this story, you will understand that this is not two guys in twenty twenty two looking at pictures of her from the forties and saying, "Oh, she was a pretty lady." She was known throughout the world as being a gorgeous woman, and she used that to her advantage in several ways. But the most important way that she used this, and what we found out much later in her life, in fact, some of it after she died was that she used that as a distraction, that most people did not realize how beautiful she was or maybe some of the things that she was capable of or what she was actually doing behind the scenes because they just thought that she was some beautiful woman who, I mean, sure. uh, whatever you want to call that, dumb bimbo or yep. whatever. They just thought she was a looker, and they had no idea that she was as brilliant as she was. So it goes back to her childhood. She was born in Austria in uh, like 1914. Okay. She is um, born to uh, an, an, an important duo as a mom and dad that will play into her life coming later. Her mom was an actress. I know I want to make sure one of her parents was an actress. The other one was very smart. And I think that her, it was her dad who was kind of the brilliant one of the of the duo. But mom lo- was an artist and loved being in the arts. So she grew up, and I'll, well, I'll refer to her as Hetty, but her name was Hedwig Eva Maria Keisler. Okay. It doesn't get any sexier than Hedwig. Oh, what a gorgeous name. Hedwig. Yeah. Yes. Hedwig. Yes. Uh, she was absolutely gorgeous, though, and she did find her way because she was so beautiful and was interested in acting at a very early age she got into the uh, the film industry in austria okay. and did a couple of films that uh became pretty controversial all right for especially for the time we're talking about like the early 30s she was in a movie that was called ecstasy in 1933 and she uh she had married into the, the film industry also her husband was a director and he was kind of a jerk and he like lied to her about this one scene in this movie Ecstasy. Yeah, and so I, so I'm reading about this. Okay, what's it say? What are you reading about it? Because I'm she basically this is this is an interesting story. In fact, because uh, you have to remember the time. A, there's a lot of interest she had several in uh, small roles, German language films, but it took controversy to put her on the cinematic map in 1932. She called. She made a film called. Uh, basically ecstasy, different yep. word. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's a foreign In language. Czechoslovakia, it was yep. released for near. The film told the simple story of a young woman whose husband is impotent. This is odd now, for now, 1932, okay. Now, hold on. There's, the so, there's some important stuff here. Now, I didn't know the impotent part, but the the story of ecstasy, the movie, in the early 30s yeah. is about a young bride who is with a, a husband who were in, in a disillusioned marriage, in a, yep. in, a, in a marriage that's falling apart. He doesn't pay attention to her. Obviously, I didn't know the impotent part. Yep. But part of the film, it shows some nudity. So so it says, here's what's interesting about this scene. Um, shows her. Okay, so she's impotent. Uh, the, he, no, the husband's is, impotent, yep. causing her to seek out the companionship of a younger man. Yes. Two scenes responsible for the film's notoriety and quick banning by Austrian censors. One in which she runs nude through a forest. Yep. Okay. Which, whatever. But, but, in, it, ni- but in 1932, it's a different time. The other, a sex scene in which she seems to experience an orgasm. Yes. And then it says her intense facial expressions actually resulted from the application of a safety pin to her buttock by director Gustav 
Makati, however you say that last yep. name. Yes. So this director is poking her yes. with the safety pin to get... Uh, isn't that acting, It's incredible, though? dude. This is Yeah, incredible. but but acting is like well, you, you just look like Kevin Orgasm. Why so do you have Mark, a pin look, to the butt? Look... Right, and how does your face with the I don't pin get to the butt And then it like says that. Lamar later said she'd been a naive young woman pressured yes. into doing these scenes. Yes, and, and in fact felt like she had been... Uh, uh, kind of like misled yeah. by these people that she trusted a lot because again she was she was growing up in this industry okay she was a teenager when this stuff was in fact I think let's do the math on that mark she was born 1913 in 1913 so she's 19 so she was years 20 old. or 19 or 20 years old yeah. when she does this scene and this movie as you said it becomes like critically acclaimed and critically it becomes really famous movie because it is so far out of 1932-1933, uh, to the point where it almost hurts her career a little bit later. But remember a couple of important details here. Number one, her mom and dad. She comes from this really interesting cross-section of brains and creativity. Father was a banker, a head of a bank. Head of a bank. And Mother mom, was a concert pianist. Thank you, thank you. So I knew we were, we were nibbling yeah. on the edges there of what was yep. going on. She, and then now she does this movie where she's a young bride married to an older man who doesn't quite understand her, can't keep up with her, and eventually she has to go seek companionship with other people. This okay. stuff ends up being huge in her life, okay? Because after the movie Ecstasy comes out, she starts to have, she does a bunch of other movies, but she's starting to have a falling out with uh, uh, with the people in Czechoslovakia. And she ends up be uh, uh, marrying um, a gentleman by the name of uh, George Anthel. Now, George Anthel was a little bit like a, uh, uh, now I'm, I'm screwing this up. I'm screwing this up. It wasn't him that she, she had married early on. Okay. I got to get to this. I'm going to screw this up. Darn it. Cause George Anthel comes into this Do later not. on. I'm not going to screw up the greatest story of all screw time. Screw it up. I Ross. promise. I'm not going to do that. I promise. So basically she marries this, uh, I'm, I'm going to screw up the guys here. Frederick Mandel. We'll just call him Fred. Fred. Fred was an interesting fellow, okay? Fred was an Austrian military arms merchant. So he's living in Austria in the early 30s selling arms and munitions, okay? okay? So this dude is like buddies with Mussolini. Okay. He's literally friends with Adolf Hitler. Nice guys, I've been nice told. Nice guys. And by the way, he is this guy. Hetty's dad was a Jewish man. Okay. This this uh, Frederick Mandel, he also has uh, one of his parents is also of Jewish descent. They don't. He doesn't give a crap. He's still helping the Nazis. He's bringing Hitler into his home. He's bringing Mussolini into his home. And the whole time, Hetty is a part of these meetings because she's beautiful and she's famous for this this movie that, you know, she's kind of, uh, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Randy in the movie, right? So Correct. she's famous. Okay. So Frederick Mandel brings her along, but only as arm candy. You don't say a word. The geniuses over here are talking about how we're going to take over the world and kill a bunch of Jews. Okay. Which this she is this doesn't like this, she's not a big fan of that. She's Jewish. Not okay. a big fan of that. Okay. So she does something super cool. She sits there and shuts up and listens for as long as she can. And finally, she gets enough information. She's heard enough. She's had enough. She bolts. Now there's a couple of different stories about how she actually gets away from Frederick Mandel in the early 30s to get out of Austria, and again, Germany's getting ready to do all their German stuff in the 30s and 40s. She, one story is that she dressed up like her uh, butler or nanny and snuck out of the compound and got, got away to Paris. The other one is that she convinced Frederick that she needed to, that they were going to go out for a dinner party one night and that she needed to wear almost all of her jewelry to really sparkle and stand out at this particular party. And that was how she got a bunch of her jewels and stuff. And then when they left for the party, she somehow skedaddled okay. and got away. So a couple different stories about how she actually gets away from this Frederick Mandel. But not when she gets away, she doesn't just take the jewels with her, dude. She takes all this information. Again, she's a bright cookie. So... This is where, th again, things are already pretty interesting. This is where the uh, 
uh, the Malcolm Gladwell outliers stuff comes into play. You cannot be, you cannot get successful unless the opportunities are there for you. Mm-hmm. And the opportunities start to land in Hedy Lamar's lap here. She is on the train to go to London to get away from this guy. And she meets a dude that you won't know the name of right away, but you will. Lewis B. Mayer is on the train with her as she's going to London. That's Metro Goldwyn Meyer. Yeah. Lewis B. Mayer. Hollywood, of M- Hollywood of, Studios. Of MGM. Yep. Yeah. He's the other M in MGM. Okay. That's who is on. And, and he he says, hey, I know you. You're that gal from that sex movie. Uh, we'd like to pay you $150 a week to do some movies for us in Hollywood. And she tells him, I don't think that's quite enough. And spends some time with him, impresses him so much that by the time she's done with that initial meeting with him, he has signed her to a contract for $500 a week to make movies. He must have her. He must have her. Okay? So she comes to America. She starts to do Hollywood films. But in the meantime, she's doing the same thing. I mean, she's churning out movies pretty quickly. But these, again, we're talking about the 30s. These roles for women are not exactly starring roles. Okay, She, for the most part, is pretty in these movies. But she's using all of these connections for all of the right things. Now, this is where we get to um, uh, uh, some interesting stuff and the, the information that she'd gathered from being around Frederick Mendel and Mussolini and Hitler. These guys were always talking about this really interesting technology that they were working on and trying to develop. And it basically became what's called an, uh, like an alternating pattern for signals, all right? She then came to uh, Howard Hughes. You know Howard Hughes, another guy we'll probably talk about at some point on the podcast. The aviator. Podcast. The aviator and a guy with another fascinating story. Gets tied up with him and says, I think you guys might want to know about some of this information that I learned from being around these really evil people. Mark, what she basically brought to the U.S. Patent Office was the patent for Bluetooth technology. A, a repeating pattern is that's... Her technology is still found in some of the original versions of Wi-Fi that are out there. Uh, it initially, the U.S. government was going to use it as a way to prevent the jamming of their torpedoes. So when a torpedo was sent out, the Germans had figured out a way to tap into that radio signal on that torpedo and alter it. If they could find a way to change that pattern of that radio code on, on a loop then it would be undetectable, and that's basically what Wi-Fi and Bluetooth Mm -hmm. technology are built off of. Hedy Lamarr, one of the most beautiful women in the world, known for being an actress and actually known for a while for kind of being a dumb actress because she was just a pretty face in the back, turned out to be a brilliant inventor, a mastermind for good in, in, in humankind, and we didn't know most of this until she was almost dead. She died in the year 2000, and it wasn't until the year 2014 that she was put into the Inventor Hall of Fame, which she uh, belonged in long, 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 long time ago. She's in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, uh, the Elect- Electronic Frontier Foundation's Pioneer Award. Uh, amazing a woman. And most I, people know her just as knows, the Yeah, right. A lot. I mean, again, if you were old enough to know Hedy Lamarr when she was... And by the way, they they changed her name to Hedy Lamar when she came. Meyer was the one that did that because he wasn't in love with Hedwig. He wasn't not only in, in, in love with Hedwig, but he needed her to get away from that image that was following her from that Czechoslovakian film Ecstasy. Yeah. So we're still talking about 1940 Hollywood. Yep. So that wasn't exactly considered couth, right? Slightly different era there. Right. Right. So anyway, amazing woman. Uh, fantastic stories about uh, uh, you know a lady who uh, knew her role and knew that it wasn't the one that the people around her were telling her it was. So I always thought that was a super fascinating story. Do you know your role? Because damn it, you need to play it. I'm just, I'm just. Kidding. Are you talking? To, are you talking to the, are the listener or I'm, me? I'm just kidding, Ross. Is it me? Yeah. Just asking if you know your role. You know. Were you one of those guys that played baseball and you, you were a role player? You, you are. You, you knew know, your role. You know that. You know that. I was the guy that I was the second best player at eight different positions. You strike me as a scrappy 
bunter. Oh, dude, I, you're, you've nailed it. My sophomore year, I led the team in batting average. I hit 500 over the course of the year. How many of those 500 hits uh, left the infield? Well, I was only three for six on the season. Oh. Because most of my at-bats were sacrifice bunts. Okay. So most of my plate appearances didn't actually count as, as at-bats. Yeah. Was the coach like, hey, squints. Dude, get uh, up you, there and lay one down. You think that's not a joke at all? It was. I would sit at the end of the bench, closest to. First of all, I was always usually scorekeeper or something like that because yeah. I wasn't playing. Um, but as soon as we, if if we were in a tight game and a guy let off an inning with a double, I was bunting him to third. Didn't matter who. Yep. Yeah, it was grab a bat and a helmet. Didn't matter if the helmet fit or if the bat was too big for me to swing. I wasn't swinging it. I was going up there to lay a bunt down, and I was a great bunter. I'm, the I mean, best. This is a. I was a great bunner. This reminds me, by the way, I'm sure you'll plug this on your radio station. I think it's April 1st or April 2nd. Uh, there's a card show autograph thing. Yeah, coming. Uh, and one of the guests is Squints from uh, yeah. from the Sandlot. Yeah, I saw they're bringing in some actors and act. Yeah, like, him like, and uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas. I think is the other guy who was the pitcher and rookie of the year. You know Henry Rowan Gardner. Does that help you, Ross? Henry Rowan Gardner, rookie of the year. Yeah. Got the arm, uh, got the arm trapped, uh, and and then all of a sudden he could launch that baseball. What did the uh, member in the visit to the doctor's office where he's like, oh, it's wound a little tight, and he hits him in the nose? What is what does the doctor say? Have no idea. Funky butt loving, and they make fun of him. That's what he said because his nose hurt. Funky butt loving. <laughs> I don't make these things up, but all right. Uh, quick score prediction from you before we get out of here. Head boy. Uh, Iowa State, Texas Tech. What happens? And then Iowa versus I don't know who they're playing. Who's Iowa play, Ross, in the Big Ten? Uh, they will have to wait to see because it will be either Nebraska or Northwestern. Okay, so Iowa's history in the Big Ten tournament, not great. No. Not great. Uh, do they survive in advance? Uh, probably win this first one against Nebraska. I think Nebraska's playing so hot right now. They beat Northwestern. Hawks beat Nebraska in probably a close game, but I could. Nebraska's playing well enough to beat Iowa too. They're not playing well enough to win the tournament, which is the only way they would be able to get sure. anywhere. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I I could see Nebraska winning two games if Iowa does win. Uh, they play Rutgers, which is definitely a team they could beat. And then it would be Illinois in the semifinals. And that's a tough matchup for the Hawks, as we've seen. So I don't think the Hawks win it. I think the Hawks probably go into the tournament with like a seven seed, which I don't like because then you're playing a two in the second round. Yep. I think Iowa State's probably built for uh, a a two-win run in March better than Iowa is. Iowa State's so tough to prepare for on a short notice. Yeah. So if Iowa State wins their first game, they're going to be a nightmare uh, in that second round. Unless they're playing a team that just has crazy talent. A sure. one seed is going to beat the Cyclones. Did you agree with the take, by the way, that Hollywood Higgins had the other day? Absol- Talking about ab- conferences and ab- how they play so differently? Absolutely. What he said was that the Big 12 plays so rough and physical that, A, it's a really hard conference to officiate. Yeah. Ball goes up, and there are six giant bodies. Dudes, man. Like athletes. There's six guys going up above the rim to try to pull, out, pull down one basketball. How do you call that? Mm-hmm. Now, it's a really hard job. I mean, but part of the problem is that Hollywood Higgins is one of the best officials in the world, and the guy is old. It's he's old. You go down and watch the G League. Go down to the Iowa Wolves. I'd encourage. There, there's so yeah. much fun. Look at the officials. You will not see an official in the G League under the age of thirty mm-hmm. or over the age of thirty. Yeah. I'm sorry, and they're all cut. Yeah, and they can run up and down the court. Yeah, we all know, dude. I'm as I get older. I'm forty. Three, yeah, yeah, forty-three. My eyes are getting worse right now. Yeah, like I so I remember a couple years ago. I think the NBA. I don't know if they came out and announced it or it's just one of those things that became known that when it came to their referees, they decided to go with people that were more athletic, that were taller than what just anybody. Yeah, partially because the height of the players and maybe they didn't like how different the refs looked to the players. They wanted somebody that was maybe a little bit more eye to eye, something like that. Sometimes with that comes respect or whatever else. But, um, no, I yeah, typically I've been to a couple of those games, and the refs are 
They looks looks well, like they can I, play. Listen, Hollywood, and I'm I don't mean that I didn't mean that to be the take to come away from this is yeah. that Hollywood's old and shouldn't be doing it. That's not the case. He's one of the best officials in the world. But do you think so? The, the larger his, point was that was it's, right. it's physical, but you watch a lot of Big Ten basketball. Yep. Do you just think it's less physical? Is it I simple know, as that? Okay, he, he had a two-part point. One was that, no, I don't think it's less physical. I think the same thing would apply to the Big Ten, that it's really difficult to to set the tone in those games because it can so quickly get so aggressive and so athletic. Um, I think that's what he was referring to. I don't think he was excluded. He just said they're the toughest conference right now, and for a long time I think the Big Ten would have been the most physical and the best mm-hmm. conference. So what you guys are going to experience here in March is something that Big Ten fans are very familiar with, and that is really inconsistent officiating because you guys have gotten used to that Big 12 style of play this year where guys are beating each other up. When that ball goes up, it's a fight for the rebound. If Atlantic 10 officials are out there or uh, ACC officials, they're going to blow those whistles a lot quicker because that's what they're used to. So it. It's going to be frustrating for you guys to watch this tournament. I mean, Iowa State fans, if you don't get the right draw, Brent Bloom will be a great follow on this. Yeah. If you don't get the right draw, you're going to hate that opening game Yeah. because it, the other team is going to be shooting 75 free throws. Mm-hmm. So Not fun basketball. No. All right. Makes well, it tough, though, in March. Enjoy watching the tournament, everybody. This is a fun time of year. Well, your conference tournament, the, the big one starts next week. We'll have a uh, hopefully have an episode before that uh, Ross will pick gonna, his national champion. We're going to encourage people to uh, get their nuts clipped and uh, have, put a bag of peas on them or something. Nobody is uh, paying us to do that. So. Okay. All right. I'm good. So no. then no. Uh, if you're a urologist out there and want to throw us some money, we'll certainly talk about Hey, I just got a you. text that my foot is not broken. So that's good. Oh, yeah. You went to the doctor for that, huh? <sighs> just got an x ray this morning. What did I, they, what did they say? You're just being a wuss? That. That's what they said. Basically, the doctor's, uh, doctor's voicemail says, quit being a wimp. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it says. No fractures or issues on the x-ray of your foot. If you want to put a shoe on for stability. No, I'm good. <sighs> All right. Well, good luck being barefoot. No, I'm just hobbling for a while. That's what's going to suck, man, because it hurts. Yeah, toes hurt, and you do have to use them from time to time. Damn it. They might have to go Dion. Dion Sanders. You see, they cut off a couple of his toes. Dude, I saw this yesterday and didn't ever get to a... Yeah. Uh, 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 didn't ever get to it. He had an injury and then had surgery, and apparently it just didn't heal right or something. So he lost his big toe and the uh, other one. Those toes won't be going to market anymore. So uh, too bad. And he's not as fast anymore. That was my takeaway. Dion, not as quick without those two toes. All right. That's all I got, Ross. Thanks for the story. Thanks, Thanks for hanging out with me. We'll, Love uh, it. Hopefully fun. see you guys uh, next week. Talk to you soon.